You know, I began a series last week uh, about the Holy Spirit and what it really is like to live a Spirit-empowered life. What the New Testament talks about, walking in the Spirit. We have all these ideas that build up in our imagination, what that actually looks like. And many books written and many speakers that, that make us think that you, in order to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, you have to be something, uh, uh, some sort of a super person, super spiritual. See, only the elite, you know, get to experience this. But that's not what the, uh, actually the picture that the New Testament gives us. He, um, the New Testament shows a way that everyone gets to experience this way of life. We're all invited into this. Uh, you know, just normal, everyday Christians with our normal, everyday challenges and struggles. And so I wrote a book uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and it's called I'm No Superman, Holy Spirit Ministry for the Rest of Us. See? And so what I decided to do is that anybody, anybody, I hope those of you that are at home listen to anybody that shows up here next Sunday, you get a copy. I'm just, we're just going to give you a copy of the book. Okay, many of, some of the things that I talk about here are explained uh, more fully in that little book, okay? So uh, I'm just, uh, we're just going to give it to you as a, as a gift from the main employee, okay? Well, uh, today I want to focus uh, on what you know, what did we talk about last week? We talked about surrender. That, that somehow, the, at the very foundation of living a spirit-empowered life, there is the mechanism of surrender, of trusting, you know, uh, uh, God to control, to lead our lives. That's why we, we had this confession this morning of, of like, we're not God, and we need to learn how to trust him and to um, uh, uh, relinquish control. And, and if there's any work involved, any effort involved in this spirit-controlled life, it's trusting, because it does take a decision on our part. That's the work. The work of faith is, I will trust you. Well, today, I want to focus in on what may be the most important, the most important work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, apart from delivering salvation, in his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul wrote this. And hope does not, I'm, I'm, I use the, uh, the message in my sermons, so it's simple to understand. I, <clears throat> and hope does not put to shame 
Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And I want to share how the outpouring of uh, our Heavenly Father's love by the Holy Spirit into our hearts, into our souls, puts an end to a very common human disorder that we all know about. Many of us experience in our everyday lives, and that is aloneness. What do I mean by that? Well, it's that, that sense of loneliness, isolation, accompanied by the feeling of alienation that even in the midst of a crowded city like New York, where we're never alone, we, we experience that inside of ourselves. Now, this aloneness is a feature of, 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 of the, our fallen human condition. And it's been around since our first parents were expelled from the Garden of Eden. You know, John Milton, the poet, wrote, aloneness is the first thing which God's eye named as not good. It is not good for man, for human beings, to be alone. Aloneness has become a 21st century epidemic. It, 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 it spread faster than COVID. In one um, study recently, 40% of Americans, American adults, reported feeling lonely, alone in the world. Despite all the communication we have available to us, we have at our disposal instant connections, internet, people still feel isolated, unsupported, terrified of the uncertainties of life. Now, I know about aloneness. As an adolescent growing up in the Bronx, I felt like a misfit, you know, alone, adrift, with, with no center of gravity, no sense of self to hold me together. I, w I was an insecure teenager, constantly scanning outside of myself you know, for some clues about who I was and how I was to be. And something essential in my well-being was, was missing. Namely, the inner sense of connection and steadiness that only love can offer us. And so this led me down a path of self-doubt 
and lack of self-worth and eventually self-destructive behavior and eventually drug addiction, heroin addiction. You know, we live in a world where there are no perfect, uh, no perfect people, no perfect parents, no perfect families, no perfect neighborhoods that we can find to grow up in where, you know, no perfect churches where we can be sheltered from the hurts and the pain of life. So where can we find a love connection perfect and strong enough to be our center of gravity in an unstable world, a hostile world, where things constantly are going wrong? Well, for us Christians, the answer seems so you know, so obvious. God's love, right? But for a good number of believers, good people, devoted people, the experience of God's love remains just a doctrine that they agree to but hasn't become a reality that's reached that place deep inside of them where their aloneness is still alive and controlling them, controlling their thoughts, controlling their emotions. And if that's you, Jesus knows all about your struggles. He understands it and wants to put an end to that aloneness, perhaps even this morning. Can you imagine how disoriented uh, and alone Jesus' uh, uh, 12 disciples, or at the moment, they're his 11 disciples in the upper room, must have felt when he announced that he was leaving them, Jesus reassured them that they were not being abandoned. He promised he'd see to it that they would remain secure because they, they'd have direct access to their heavenly Father the same way that he had access to his father. Listen to his words. I won't continue making requests of the father on your behalf. I won't need to because you've gone out on the limb, committed yourself to love and trust me, believing I came directly from the father. The father loves you directly. You need no middleman. Now this is an amazing promise. Because they love Jesus, they would receive the, the, 
excuse me, the love of his father. The father would pour out the same life-securing love into their hearts that Jesus himself had received. And he would be as close to them, the father would be as close to them as he was to Jesus. This is hard to, to, for a lot of us to swallow. This is hard for a lot of us to, to really believe. Is Mike speaking heresy here? Is he speaking easy grace? Go back and read Jesus' words. Furthermore, this blessing would not be limited to just those 11 individuals that were in the upper room. Jesus prayed that every person, every person who loves him would experience this love as well. Again, Jesus' own words. I am praying not only for these disciples, he's talking about the 11, but also for all who would ever believe in me through their message. That's you and I. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them. I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. Jesus, ever since that moment, has been continually making the Father's love known to our lonely, love-starved world ever since. That's what the Holy Spirit, one of the things that the Holy Spirit is doing in the world, drawing people to the Father. You know, after hitting rock bottom, I entered a, a drug pro, a Christian drug pro. I didn't know it at the, at the time, but I was so dressed that I would go any place. I entered a, a Christian drug program. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Teen Challenge, David Wilkerson, probably not, but that's, it was right in Brooklyn. And that's where I met Jesus. That's where I gave my life to him. And to my surprise, I received a calling to the ministry there. Yet even after all of that, something was missing. And I still struggled with aloneness. The problem was that though I had experienced a spirit, a legitimate um, a, a spiritual awakening and healing, you know, I knew Jesus as my Savior. I knew my sins were forgiven. I knew I had eternal life. But I hadn't come to know God as my loving Heavenly Father, my Abba. 
I knew God loved me doctrinally. I went to school, I had degrees, and I confessed it enthusiastically. I preached it, but I didn't know it experientially, deep inside. Teaching about the fatherhood of God and particularly about his unconditional love had somehow escaped me. The tender affection of a father's love was still missing from my life and leaving me anxious and full of self-doubt. I didn't doubt God, I doubted myself. Leaving me constantly performing for approval, having to achieve, having to be the best, having, failure would throw me for a loop. I worked hard to please. And so I became a young, anxious, insecure pastor. And I go into a tailspin when things didn't go my way. You know, when I, let's say, threatened or criticized, somebody didn't agree with me, an elder, a member, I'd get angry and defensive. I was hard on my leaders. I was easily offended. I was insensitive to a lot of people. And it wasn't long before my church was on the verge of a mutiny. You can only treat people bad so long. And at a, a pastor's retreat, I shared the mess that I had made with a group of pastors. And one of the pastors looked at me in this moment and he said, Mike, you need the Father's love. And asked the Holy Spirit to break into my life with that love. And as he began to pray for me, and those pastors gather around me and, and, and prayed for me, I began to ex experiencing something comforting and, and, and yet powerful. It was as if love was penetrating a part, um, a part of me that had never been touched before. It felt like I was being evangelized in a sense, in a, in a place that I'd never, never, that never knew that love. Don't ask me to, to, to explain it theologically in a textbook. I can't. This was my experience in the moment. <clears throat> and moved by the Spirit, that pastor friend of mine spoke a father's blessing over me. Words that I had always, always longed to hear. 
Mike, he said, your father in heaven loves you. He's proud to call you his son. You don't have to prove yourself or slave to be loved any longer. He wants to give you the blessing of his unconditional love to secure you. And something warm and, and, and tender started to happen. I felt like God was placing his seal of approval, so to speak, on me. It was the big hug of affirmation and affection that I had always, always craved since I was a little boy, but had never received. It was the big hug of, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit giving me the warm embrace I had always longed for. It was wonderful. It was overwhelming because I couldn't hold back the tears. I was hearing the, you know, uh, the words I always longed to hear. My soul was being anchored. My heart was being secured. Now, this was a beginning for me. This was a landmark experience that I could always look back to. But it was the beginning of a long process of healing and growth in my life. My false identity as an insecure misfit even as a pastor, was being replaced by a true identity as a beloved child of God. My Heavenly Father's love was now becoming the, that center of gravity that was missing, that would hold me and steady me. I would no longer be stuck in emotional and spiritual adolescence. I was free to grow up and live the life, uh, live life with some confidence, knowing that even if I failed, I wasn't a failure. I could face adversity and setbacks knowing I was unconditionally loved and accepted no strings attached, no matter what. What I experienced was a baptism of love, akin to what happened to Jesus at his baptism in the Jordan River. I'm reading from Mark. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. 
You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You know, one writer calls this the Abba experience. It, and it focuses on the humanity of Jesus. Fully human Jesus, experiencing life here on earth the same way you and I experience life here on earth. And as a, a fully human human being, he steps into the Jordan in human weakness. I know that might, might offend or shock some of you because you know the incarnation is a mystery. He was fully divine, but he was also fully, fully human. He had emotions like you and I. He was tempted in every way that we are tempted. He felt what we feel, yet without sin. So he steps into the Jordan River at this moment in time, perhaps apprehensive of what lies ahead. He's about to begin this, this, his ministry. The fate of the world was being placed on his shoulders. Could he be a little nervous? That's not sin. Could he be in, in need of a, a pat on the, you know, a hug? A word of encouragement? I don't think that's a stretch. And what does he get in that moment of weakness? He gets everything he needs to move forward doing his Father's will. The power of the Spirit comes on him. He felt it. Like I felt it as those pastors were, were, were praying for me. Bringing the touch of his Father's affection upon him. The Father speaks strong words of affirmation. Jesus hears them like I heard them. I love you for who you are. You are the apple of my eye. And Jesus receives the Father's blessing, touching any human concern or anxiety he might have been experiencing. His soul is secured. And I don't think this was just a one-time isolated experience for him throughout his ministry. I, I believe he received the Father's big hug, you know, time and again over the course of his ministry, whenever his human soul needed to be recharged, uh, uh, refreshed, like at the Transfiguration, where the shadow of the cross is getting larger and larger as he makes his way towards Jerusalem for a final time. This Abba experience is for each one of us. 
It's a foundational work of the Spirit in every believer's life. Paul wrote about it in Romans. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. Now we call him Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy. For his spirit joins our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are God's children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Paul's describing in the language of adoption an important work of the Spirit that convinces our hearts that we're truly loved sons and daughters, that it's real, not just words in a book. This describes uh, the experience of the Spirit bringing us into the loving presence of our Heavenly Father to receive His blessing. That's what was happening to Jesus in the river there. That's what was happening to me as those pastors were praying for me. And as a result, we cry, Abba, Father, the same words, the same name, the same uh, 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 tender calling out that Jesus used. He used the word Abba. The same tender words that Jesus used to adjust his own father. It's the cry that comes from our heart when God's spirit touches us and we realize at a level that's deep, not just here, deep in our soul that we're children of God that can freely uh, trust uh, and be affectionate with our Father. We don't have to fear Him. And this is a powerful spiritual experience that, that for some can be emotional and some some people like even now as my words are going out there's something happening for some of you and and that we for me it was emotional you know i felt something but it was emotional for others it's different it depends but we know we're having this experience of love see we feel like beloved children of our Father in heaven, like Jesus felt at his baptism. The Spirit comes upon us and places us in, a, in the presence of our Heavenly Father, bringing his tender touch to our lives. We hear his encouraging voice within, convincing and assuring us that we're not alone in this world. We are safe and secure in the Father's love. See, this is what's happened to some of you right now. Right in this moment. This experience is available uh, again 
and again throughout our lifetime. Because we need it. We need continual reassurance. It's, it's available to touch you with the warmth of his affection when you're feeling insecure, anxious, alone, facing a crisis in your life or in your family or at work, breaking through your unbe unbelief, any mistrust, breaking through your feeling of being alone in the moment with no support, healing your inner wounds, overcoming your insecurities over and over and over throughout your lifetime until your identity is based on truth and love rather than on the devil's lies that you're only worth what you can produce. You're only worth what you look like, where you live, what you own, how much money you make, how beautiful you are. Until you're safe and secure in the Father's love like Jesus was. That's freedom. That's freedom. Is the tender touch of the Father's love missing from your life? You receive it as a gift by trusting Jesus. He said, those who accept my commandments, obey them, are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. If you want to receive this blessing, if you, you know, just need that, that touch again in your life, or maybe you've never experienced it, wherever you're at this morning, if you want to receive this blessing, why don't you step into the river, the Jordan River, and let, let's pray right now for that big hug for you, a baptism of love that the Holy Spirit delivers to the hearts and, and, and puts an end to aloneness and insecurity. Let's stand. Stand. Now, I, I understand that what I'm talking about is a very personal thing. And it's kind of awkward in the presence of others. I understand that. But right now, if you could just focus on the Lord. Forget about anybody else around you. And even, if you need that tender touch of God, you know, that, that, that touch of love to anchor your life right now, maybe you're going through something big at this moment in life. And you just need to know that you know that you know that God is there for you and he loves you. Maybe you've 
Maybe you failed in some way that you can't forgive yourself, or you feel like God doesn't want to have anything to do with you, and you feel, a little, you feel guilty. Ah, let his love come to you now. And I'm going to ask you to do this. Take your hands out of your pocket. He says, if we don't become like little children, vulnerable, you know, we, we can't even step into the kingdom. I'm going to ask you, like vulnerable people, that confess, that confess, that, that, that are walking in that confession that we began the service with, that we reach out and say, okay, I'm open to you. Come now, I need you. That's what this is. There's nothing magical about this position, but it says something about our heart at the moment. Don't do it if you don't mean it, not because I say so, but if that's you, I want your love, I want to know it, know it. That I, nothing can separate me from that love. I need to know it right now. Put your hands out. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for opening the way to receive the Father's love, our Creator's love, his, the, his ocean of love, and placed us in that ocean of unconditional love, where we can be secure. even in the midst of a storm. And as we stand in your presence, would you send your Holy Spirit to place your seal of approval on us so we can receive the Father's blessing, so we can hear it Feel it, know it. Come now. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring the Father's love. And in the authority that has been given me, I now release over you the blessing of your heavenly Father as loved sons and daughters. Love, beloved sons and daughters, secure in that love. I release that blessing over your life in Jesus' name.